That's the investment. If you have children anyway, that's the investment, investing in their, in their futures. Welcome to the Prosperity Perspective by DML, a conversation about how successful business owners invest their hard-earned money to preserve their wealth and what they might have done differently in hindsight. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we are joined by Scott Anderson. Uh, excited for him to share a little bit about his journey uh, between marketing agencies and equipment providers, uh, kind of all over the board. So uh, a good journey, good perspective, and excited for him to share. So without further ado, Scott, you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Thanks, Liam. Really glad to be here. Uh, yeah, I guess serial entrepreneur is uh, pretty descriptive. I've been uh, starting companies and running companies for a long time, actually, since I was a little kid. And um, I'm now on uh, company number nine. And uh, I believe that's right. And uh, and have the scars to prove it. <laughs> There's a lot of entrepreneurship and, and uh, uh, startups and so forth that is not for the faint of heart, of course. But uh, and most recently, um, I've been uh, coaching executives and entrepreneurs mainly, um, and specifically through uh, burnout and uh, and how to recover from burnout. Awesome. Were each of your businesses raging success, or did you have uh, kind of varying degrees <laughs> of uh, you know success and learning along the way? Yeah, success and learning. That's a nice nice euphemism. Um, you know, I had. Uh, I think everything is kind of a mixed bag, really. Uh, looking back on things, there's there's always things that I wish wish that I would have done differently or would have turned out differently. But yeah, there's certainly been some some big successes. There have been some abject failures as well. Um, one of the ones that I remember the most, um, and it uh, that I had high hope high hopes for, uh, but which was a colossal crater, was a uh, car detailing. Uh, model that I had that I had developed uh, based on the business in your hometown and or home home uh, stomping grounds in Ventura County. The model was based for a Southern California business, but I was executing it in the Midwest and um, didn't work. Let's just say it didn't work. And uh, a lot of lessons learned uh, there. And uh, as I say, the scars to prove it, but you know, overall, I've been very fortunate and mainly because I've had great teams. Importance of people, right? Uh, always comes down to being a big impact uh, influence, right? On how Absolutely. that success can come, right? And just avoiding bad people, right? Is probably equally as important. Um, so question we like to ask, right? Is once you hit that point of profitability in, in your you know first or second or third business, didn't have to worry about food on the table, roof over the head, uh, and you had, you know, extra cash to be able to play with, so to speak. What did you choose to, you know, invest and how did you spend your cash in those uh, early days? You know, um, and we talked a little bit before the show, um, the really the best investments were those, those that had the, the greatest ROI and, and were overall the most successful um, were reinvesting into um, either the business that I was running or businesses that I was that I had control over. Um, that was the, you know, the best, the best investments overall. Um, uh, I mean, in terms of cash, cash on cash return, uh, the best investments were to reinvest in mainly the people. Um, and because um, most of the businesses that I've been in have been really people and service industries. And so 
investing in people has been by far the best return. The second best return is really investing in coaches and consultants um, for my, for me personally and for my businesses. Um, that has been, you know, not only the most, it's been extremely re- rewarding and, and helped me the most, but I also think in terms of ROI have been the, you know, the best returns. Um, but generally to, to be investing in the things that I'm actually working on and that I can con- control in some way or another. Have been the the best investments um, overall. Uh, were those were those intentional reinvestments at the beginning, or were those just sort of natural? That's what you were doing, and it made sense, and you know that that's where the money went because that's what you were growing. Well, I think a little bit of both, but it was clear to me that that um, you know one of the one of the breaks that most entrepreneurs make at some point in their lives, uh, either from birth or at some point in their careers, is realizing that. Um, that the most security uh, that there is, and for risk tolerant people, security is not necessarily the most important thing. But the most secure investments I could make, the ones that I that I had um, the most confidence in, were investing in my own businesses. And um, so part of it was natural, and part of it was just the overall uh, over time the aha that um, really that is the best investment that I, I really can get the best return out of investing in my own businesses. And, but in particular by investing in um, my teammates and in bringing on new teammates. Well, at what point uh, in the business, right? Was there a certain target goal where, you know, reinvesting all the money into the business versus taking it out and putting it, you know, whether it's 401k stock market, real estate, right. some other source, right? Like how did that, I'm sure you eventually got to a point where it was like, you know, the returns are marginal in reinvesting back into the business, right? How did you, how did you set and acknowledge when that point came to, you know, make a shift accordingly? Well, yeah, and there, there's certainly lots of investments competing for an entrepreneur's attention, and it depends on the the time period. Um, and sometimes um, real estate can outperform uh, reinvesting or outperform the marginal returns in your own business. Um, other times the stock market, um, you know, lately there have, uh, and I've uh, I've steered away from this personally, but I've certainly got lots and lots of clients who are investing in cryptocurrency, finding it to be the, um, you know, the most, uh, the best um, alternative all the way around, just in terms of the, the potential return on investment. Um, so, I mean, I think that's part of it is just what, what is actually bearing the highest returns at any one time, um, you know, during the, um, from, from 2000 on the, the gains that you could make in the stock market were, were slow and grinding, uh, at times. And not surprisingly, I looked at other things and a lot of my clients have looked at other things, um, as alternatives, um, certainly real estate, um, multifamily, uh, in particular, um, has been something that that I've looked at, and a number of my clients have looked at, and have turned out to be, you know, a good uh, a good solid investment. If if only from a tax perspective, um, you know, it's always been real estate and and income producing, uh, like like uh, multifamily has been a, a really good place for investors from not only from a upside perspective, but also from a tax shelter perspective, um, and so. I've spent some money there, invested some money there as well as, and a number of my clients have as well. 
So what was, uh, as you're thinking about the strategic decisions, right? Like at, at what point, like how did you evaluate those marginal returns to say, you know, to even get to the point where it was like, okay, now I should be looking at something else and whether it's crypto or multifamily, right? To go into those things, you know, what, what was that switch for you in terms of, you know, put it into the business versus take it out? Um, and kind of how did you right. think about that? Yeah, well, I think I think part of it is when you begin to experience marginal returns, or in other words, there is, you know, you've got, you've run a business to a point where it's performing as, as well as it can, and where the returns are only marginal and and only um, and not very attractive as compared to the other uh, options. That's one of the main the main reasons that there simply are better returns elsewhere. Um, a lot of it also has to do with if you're raising a family, and I have four children, uh, you're trying to put through college and so forth. A lot of it depends on you know, that's the investment. If you have children anyway, that's the investment. Investing in their in their futures or trying to support them as they make that investment. Um, and, uh, not, not maybe from a dollar's perspective, but mainly from a, um, wanting to do what's best for your children perspective. I find that a lot of people, once they, once they start having children, the investment, um, uh, filter changes dramatically. And so then there's that piece. And then there's the, you know, the various tiers that happen as children start leaving the nest, uh, and start getting through college, then it introduces a whole, a whole new, um, uh, ability and, and and a different investment criteria completely. So a lot of it has to do with just life, where you are in your life, I think, that, that makes the biggest difference. When we were running our advertising agency, one of the things that I noticed was that when I was when I started it and I was just getting married and I had no children, I had a completely different perspective on risk and on um, and also on the need for return. Um, you know, I was willing to invest and invest and invest, but as children started to crop up all over the place, it was necessary to look at, um, at net income and at ROI on the agency and investing in it, um, became, uh, tempered by how much money it had to actually generate for it to make sense. So I think life where the stage in your life is really one of the biggest determinants there. So as you look back, and we've got a lot of listeners, right, who are entrepreneurs, sole proprietors, uh, who are going through this point where they're starting to reach profitability, right? Um, you know, is there any advice or things that you would do differently, right, or counsel, right, as a lot of people are going through, you know, burnout, particularly on those early stages, right, where, uh, hey, maybe there's no wife or no kids yet, right, and that risk and the amount of you're willing to put in is different, right, um, sure. to you know, set them up for long-term success, right? To be able to get to, you know, where you've gotten in your life and your career. I, you know, I really think the key is, um, and I, I did a pretty good job of, of investing and, and essentially saving money um, from a pretty young age. But I really think that's the, the, mo- the single smartest thing that anybody can do is to um, live within your means and to, um, and to be saving money as soon as you possibly can. And, um, the, the tendency, unfortunately, for a lot of people who um, who are making uh, good money for the first time is to spend it on things that um, don't ultimately have much value, a, a big house or cars or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, so everybody in Omaha can quote Warren Buffett, I think, and, uh, and, and the philosophies of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. And so um, a lot of what a lot of what I take as my own philosophy comes right out of the Berkshire Hathaway handbook. 
but it really does have to do with with being conservative um, in lifestyle and and in saving uh, consistently, saving over time, and really let cost averaging uh, that that old fashioned idea, but let co- cost averaging um, really cost basis averaging do its work for you. Let compounding do its work for you. Whatever it is you're investing in, whether it's uh, currency, the stock market, multifamily, crypto, whatever it is, but let compounding work for you. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's, I guess, one of the things. A part of my life that I regret, although I think it's fairly typical, is uh, in the, oh, I'll, I'll call it the 30s, where uh, I, I wasn't aware of it as I was doing it. But in retrospect, I was keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with my peers. Um, in terms of things and uh, that that was really wasted, wasted money um, and just a whole wasted enterprise. So if I had it to do over again, I would have been much better off um, living in a more sensible, conservative way, saving the money um, and uh, and spending it now on trips to Europe or something versus uh, appearance. Was there one thing you bought on the appearance or keeping up with the Joneses that is, uh, you know, stuck with you over the years? Like that's the one. That was the one that was too lavish for me. You know, I. Uh, it's so funny. Warren Buffett bought his first plane, or maybe it's still his plane, and he named it the Indefensible. And uh, I always thought that was a great thing because he just thought it was outrageously, um, I don't know, grandiose or something to own a jet. Um, and sadly, I've, I've never had any jets in my life. Uh, but there have been a couple of things that I bought that I thought, oh, man, you know, this this really doesn't. Um, I once bought a uh, a uh, BMW, uh, essentially a race car that was just fun as hell, scared me to death. I got a huge speeding ticket the first hour I owned it. And, um, you know, in retrospect, I mean, have fun for sure. You know, have fun. Life is short. But in retrospect, um, my motivation wasn't as much have fun as look good. And um, I didn't see it at the time, but it's glaring now. My 30-year-old self is a bit of embarrassment to me. It's funny, as I've you know progressed and looked back, there's still ways to have fun. And you can go rent those cars for a <laughs> thousand bucks, you know, two thousand bucks a day. And it's that's right. Uh, that's yeah, right. It gives you what you need. But exactly. um you know, the other point I'd love for you to touch on, given your expertise, right, is, you know, how do you couple that desire, right, to keep up with the Joneses? And as we're talking about investing and saving and taking advantage of compounding with burnout, right, and all the pressures that an entrepreneur has with running the business, right? Like, how do you blend those two things together? And kind of what, you know, what advice do you have on, uh, you know, uh, staving off burnout and, you know, setting yourself up for success? Sure. I think the most important thing, really, and this goes back to in, investing um, in your company and in investing in yourself. I mean, the smartest investments, the most valuable investments I made, going you know, thinking back, have been in um, engaging coaches. Um, I'm thinking of a couple in particular that that really saved me from making some uh, horrendous mistakes. I made a, a number all by myself, but. Um, you know, that, that really helped me. The, the problem is that it kind of is lonely at the top and um, it tends to be an echo chamber and there aren't very many people who will tell you the truth. And, and in my arrogance, in my thirties in particular, I probably wouldn't have listened to anybody anyway. So, you know, I think one of the best ways to not only 
succeed with your business and, and investing in whatever you invested, but also to stave off burnout is to have uh, a coach, um, to have or a mentor or a sounding board of some kind, somebody who you will um, listen to. And, uh, you know, I was very fortunate to have great coaches um, starting in my 30s that really saved me from, from making bigger mistakes than I might have made on my own. Um, but particularly as time goes on, have, have helped prevent burnout because it's just the way I'm wired and the way that most entrepreneurs are wired um, is a profile that says, you know, really nothing's impossible. And um, uh, there's a certain competitiveness and ambition and perfectionism that all wrapped together can produce some wonderful things, um, but which ultimately uh, can have diminishing returns also uh, in the form of um, exhaustion, uh, dissatisfaction, um, isolation from your peers. This is one of the things that that happened to me was I really started to isolate myself more and more from my partners and um, and it really backfired. Um, but I wasn't aware that I was doing it as I was going through my own burnout. That's the, the biggest, you know, it's the combination of uh, exhaustion, um, isolation and disconnection, even from the work that you were so passionate about, um, and and ultimately kind of a, a resentment um, towards uh, the work itself. Um, so burnout can be very, very dangerous. Fortunately, it's really preventable and recoverable, uh, but it's incredibly dangerous. I'd say it's probably the single most dangerous thing that can happen um, with an entrepreneur. Um, but because it's lonely at the top, who do you report any of this to? Who do you report feeling like an imposter to? Um, there aren't many people to confide in. So coaches are great. Mastermind groups like EO or YPO are also excellent in this respect. Um, we have a, a mastermind within our burnout breakthrough program that's specifically designed for that. But it's all meant to build uh, or to break down the feelings of um, uniqueness and uh, certain amount of ego and um, just the isolation that naturally comes with burnout. You talk about coaches. Um, you use the plural, right? So are you using different coaches to solve different things in terms of business coach or sales coach or life coach or spiritual coach? Like, how do you think about, you know, the type of coach and finding the right coach uh, sure. for the given situation? Yeah, I, um, I, I didn't approach it that way. I didn't necessarily have coaches for different things. We had consultants maybe for different areas of the business, but I had one coach that was sort of who I um, invested my confidence and my faith in, um, and in a holistic way. That's what I was after in particular, someone who could understand my entrepreneurialness, um, but could understand me in 360 degrees. And um, that's the kind of coaching that I provide, in fact, for my own clients, both with respect to burnout and general entrepreneur coaching, is to really understand the whole package. Because the, the problem with uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, and I was guilty of this, is to, is to try to compartmentalize work as something that's distinct from home, that's distinct from community or spiritual life or whatever. And it's the compartmentalization of it, I found, that that can actually lead to a lot of problems. The idea that what I do at work is, is a very separate thing than the rest of me, the rest of my life. So in my case, it's been, I've I discovered a coach in my 30s who was just incredibly 
effective and useful for me at that time. And I've engaged a, a series of, of coaches one at a time that I've used each one in a holistic way. For me, that's what's worked best. But I, I coach people where I'm the, the entrepreneur coach and um, they also have a, uh, a health coach or a fitness coach, for example. I've got a number of clients who are running marathons and climbing mountains and so forth and have a coach just for that purpose. As we talk about, uh, you brought up consultants, right? We've talked about coaches, right? There's also this concept of board of advisors, right? Uh, and whether they're paid, unpaid, right? Sounding board. What's the ideal structure in your mind of how to use those, right? Because those three parties all offer different things that, you know, there's huge overlap between a lot of them. Right. Uh, you know, how do you think about, you know, who to use for what and how to structure it so that, you know, you're getting the most out of, you know, each engagement and you're not, you know, having marginal returns paying for, you know, multiple parties as you're trying to solve, you know, multiple yeah. things. You know, and everyone is different. Um, but the, you know, the danger is uh, if you, for people like me, for type A entrepreneurs that are sure they're right most of the time, um, having multiple um, sounding boards can be, um, can be uh, distracting and can be confusing. Um, also, there's a tendency for entrepreneurs to go to whoever it is that'll give them the answer they want. Um, so, you know, in my in my view, it's best to focus on one of those options, whether it's a consultant or a coach or a um, you know or a board of advisors. Um, you know, and if you're if you're hiring a consultant for a very narrow sort of a um, responsibility, um, let's say for I don't know sales training or coaching, I'm picking something at random, um, you know, that that isn't necessarily a conflict. But if what you're looking for as an entrepreneur is someone to really help you um, make some really important decisions, mind, body, and spirit, and business, then I, I think it's probably one to pick one approach or the other. I've served on a number of board of advisors and board of directors, um, and it can be a very effective technique. But what I found, again, is that and, and what that offers a board of advisors or board of directors, obviously, is a diversity of point of views, which is inherently, I think, a good thing to get a, a wide range of, of perspectives. Um, but I, at least for me, I would I would select either a coach or a mentor or a board of advisors or a board of directors and really lean on them um, rather than shop my questions to a wide variety of, of people um, and potentially confusing myself. One of the keys I found is to really to allow yourself to be very vulnerable and candid and in an open book. Um, that that's the best return on investment, regardless of it's a board of advisors or an individual coach. That makes sense. You know, the key takeaway from it's something that I'm thinking through myself for our own business, right? And I think the key that I'm hearing you articulate, right, is you, you've got to have a defined focus for each particular group, right? Um, and I think, a goal, I think, to have a yeah, to have a goal in mind. Yeah. Um, even if the goal is just to get clear about what the goal should be, um, mm -hmm. it's really important to start with an objective. That makes sense. As we're wrapping up here, Scott, what uh, you know, any last words of advice, or you know, what's the way that our listeners can connect back with you? Well, I mentioned our uh, our burnout program, and this is a, a combination of. Um, of uh, training a mastermind group and individual coaching, sort of a hybrid of all the things we've talked about. 
And um, we have found that this is a really effective, uh, proven effective way over the last five years for entrepreneurs to um, recover from burnout, um, prevent it from ever coming back, and also bring principles into their companies to ensure that their teams have tools. Um, the biggest the biggest challenge my clients have right now is workforce and um, ma- maintaining, retaining the best talent and recruiting the best talent. And, um, and burnout is really the number one reason for the great resignation. So um, if anybody's interested in finding more about that, you should go to burnoutbreakthrough.com. And uh, there are a number of resources there and a free training that will that may be helpful. Awesome. Well, appreciate your time today, Scott. Appreciate Thank you, Liam. Thank you for joining us today on The Prosperity Perspective. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, please head over to theprosperityperspective.com, where you can hear from other successful business owners on their approach to investments. On our website, you'll be able to learn more about how DML Capital currently helps other business owners like yourself, diversify their investments and grow their wealth. Take our short quiz to see if you're ready to take the next steps toward your financial success. 